Listener Production. Has your relationship with your body changed since having children? Kids are watching us and listening to us and learning from us all of the time, even when we don't want them to. And one of the biggest things they pick up from us is the way that we should feel about our bodies. Today on Feed Play Love, accepting your postpartum body and what kids learn about body image from their mums. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. How did you feel about your body when you were pregnant? Maybe you were in awe of the fact that it was changing to grow another human. What about after giving birth? Did some of that wonder fade as you looked at your changed body? For some of us, accepting our postpartum bodies can be a challenge. I know it was for me, but the way that we view ourselves not only impacts on our own self-esteem, our kids learn about body image by watching us. So how can we not only come to terms with the way we look, but help our little ones to see their own bodies in the best light possible? Zali Yeager is the executive director of the health promotion charity, Body Confident Collective. Hi, Zali. Welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Thanks so much for having me. When a woman carries a baby, her body goes through an enormous transition. <laughs> what are some of the ways that can impact the way women see themselves postpartum? Yeah, I think it's really important to recognise the the huge extent of the changes that happen to our bodies. I mean, it's, it's basically like the same level of change as with puberty, but in kind of a much shorter time frame. And I just think it's really interesting that as as people, as society, even as individuals, we sort of don't give ourselves the grace that we do um, with adolescents where we're just like, they're just going to be a bit weird for a while. And then, um, you know, they might come back to us eventually. We, we sort of expect things to get back to normal in terms of our actual body, our physical body, but also in terms of the way we feel about it and in terms of our identity more broadly, we expect that to all sort of resolve very quickly (laughs) in ways that we don't expect of adolescents. So I think it is important just really to acknowledge that. And part of it, at least for me anyway, was that my lifestyle changed. Mm. So pre-baby, I had more time to exercise. I was interested in different things. Post-baby, I was focused on my child, keeping them alive. And so my lifestyle had changed as well, and I'd grown older. So it feels like there were a few levels of things going on that were affecting the change in my body that I wasn't necessarily recognising. Yeah, that's really interesting. And we're also socialised as as women and as mothers to put everyone else's needs above our own. And so we get into this sort of pattern and, and this happens very early on in the newborn phase where there just literally is not any time in between feeds and sleeps and all of the things. There's no time to actually attend to our own needs, even the kind of core needs like showering, let alone, you know, finding the time to fuel and move our bodies. So I think... Um, yeah, that, that then extends over the next little while. And what we see is that women start to get quite dissatisfied with their bodies. The peak is actually around six to nine months postpartum because I think a lot of people had the expectation that their body would sort of, in inverted commas, return to something (laughs) normal. Um, And and normal is also in inverted commas. Um, You know, we, we have 
really no idea of what's going to happen to our bodies and that it, it seems like we thought it would be different or, or in inverted commas again better than what it is at that point and that's when a lot of women start to think about returning back to work and sort of the logistics of fitting back into a, a work wardrobe but also um, being seen away from their baby and and what people might think about their bodies when they sort of don't have that baby or in my case I had two um, attached to them at all times and um, sort of the justification for how you've changed I mean one woman I just asked her I was like oh I love those jeans where did you get them and she went into this whole story about how she'd put on weight and hadn't lost it again after having a baby and things and I was like I just really like your jeans. <laughs> so I think that um, women, women tend to like uh, really feel the need to explain that, you know, they have or haven't lost this weight as though it, it should be something that, that naturally comes off you. And it just doesn't. How much responsibility can we place on things like social media or the visibility of celebrities, I guess, who have this kind of pre-baby body in like six weeks after after childbirth. Uh, It could be their metabolism, it could be their live-in personal trainer, nanny and chef, who knows. But even though it might not be realistic, many of us see those images and I'm wondering if there's almost like subliminal messaging that they can do it so you should be able to do it too. I mean, I think it's really interesting when we talk about social media because kind of if we think about back in the olden days before this existed, you know, we saw these sorts of things in magazines and I feel like the messaging was actually quite strong then, you know, because the the magazines and the those publications kind of controlled the narrative. And I think that when we're talking about social media, it really depends about on what you're looking at. Um, because if you're looking at images of celebrities who have returned or um, some of the fitspiration about, you know, the, the fit mum and the, the sort of hot mum look, if you're looking at all of that stuff, then it can be incredibly damaging. We have so much convincing research um, to show that it's it's really damaging. But if you are looking at um, a lot of the real stuff that is shown on social media that was never published in magazines, then that can be quite helpful for us. So what I like to tell people is, you know, there's no benefit to beating yourself up and to exposing yourself to these really idealised images of that that one celebrity that, you know, looks a certain way after having a baby it's really much more beneficial for you to be looking at the things that are more like real life on social media and to, to be sort of choosing some of the accounts that you follow and the the things that you let come into your um, little algorithm, bossing the algorithm by, you know, saying, no, I don't want that suggested ad for that weight loss company. And no, I don't want to see that and really curating it so that you're seeing more of reality in your social media feeds. Are there any other steps you'd recommend to women who might be struggling with their post-baby body or struggling to accept it? Are there any practical things we can do to be more at peace with our bodies? Yeah, so the two key strategies that I think are really helpful and the research is showing us that it's helpful as well. The first one is to really, you know, when you're in that spiral downwards of hating on your body or thinking, you know, you should have done this, should have done, take a moment to step back and appreciate the functionality of what your body has just achieved and and continues to achieve. So we find, you know, a lot of women are able to be 
really reflective and think, oh, wow, like my body just grew a human. Like it gives you so much more purpose for your body rather than it just being something to look at. And we know that when we focus more on what our bodies can do, it helps us to worry less about what they look like. And the second one is to apply self-compassion, to be kind to ourselves. And this is something that you can practice in a range of different ways. There were some beautiful meditations. I know meditations are tricky um, because, you know, if I had ever laid down on the floor and closed my eyes, (laughs) humans would jump on top of me. So um, I know it's tricky. We're um, playing with the idea of um, some meditations that you can do while, you know, doing household chores and multitasking. So that's our next study. But really just taking that moment to stop yourself from being critical about your body for a start (laughs) just just sort of pausing in that moment and saying no this is really hard but recognizing that so many other people also struggle with this like you are not the only one you are not the only one who you know is in a bigger body now than what you were before you had children and you're not the only one who feels you know, bad about it, sad about it, some grief about your past life and your past body and all of these things. So just realising there's a whole world of mothers out there that have felt this struggle and, and, you know, this shame really. And then sort of taking a moment to think about what you would say to a friend who was struggling with this. And it's usually something that's much kinder than what you would say to yourself. It's really just putting yourself in the position of, giving that kindness to yourself that you would to others, saying something like, I've got a baby to look after. I don't have a lot of support. Of course, I'm not doing all of these things to be, you know, exercising every day and and all of those sorts of things. So really just being gentle and kind to yourself instead of getting into those critical loops is the second key strategy there. So we've got that moment after we have our babies and that six to nine months afterwards where you say women are are really dissatisfied with their bodies. I think that many mothers, as their children get older, are more conscious of the things they say. They're pretty self-aware. So they're probably very careful of the things they say about their own bodies in front of their children. But I'm also aware as a mother who's not necessarily happy with my own body that there might be things I'm doing I'm not conscious of that influence my daughter. I'm wondering if that is a thing or is it always something that you say that can influence your child when it comes to body image? Yeah, really interesting point. It definitely is the case that for a lot of us, we are kind of faking it till we make it, I guess. And we did a piece of research a little while ago that found that the mothers who had higher levels of body image reported they, that they were better able to role model this to their children, but that it is possible to engage in this, the protective strategies like, you know, not making comments about your body, um, not having scales, using scales, not obviously sort of dieting in front of your children, it's possible to do those things without necessarily feeling it. And we think that the feeling bit will come. There are so many things that we that we do without thinking about it. Um, and some of those things, it's because of the self-deprecating kind of culture that we have in Australia. You know, when, when your kid comes up to you and like they always ask, why is this so jiggly? And and they always manage to just hit right on your like biggest insecurity area and ask that question. And and so 
the way that I sort of started to practice and get other people to practice responding to that is to think of the the little red riding hood approach where it's like all the better to eat you with my dear you know and practicing ahead of time or thinking ahead of time for like when they do make that comment about my belly I'm going to say that that's what makes me so much better able to give hugs so flipping it because a lot of people will kind of um, self-deprecatingly joke, oh, but it's because I had you in there or it's because I've been eating too many, you know, X, Y, Z. And those are kind of reinforcing the idea that, A, we have control over what our uh, what size and shape our bodies are, but also that it should, in inverted commas, should be a smaller or thinner or bigger or different kind of body. So we really just want to practice talking about flipping it instead of, what it looks like to what our bodies do again by thinking you know ahead of time what, what do my what do my um big legs help me to do oh that makes me really strong so that I can run kick the ball with you what about your jiggly arms you know that means that I'm better able to give you these really lovely hugs you know just having something to say that's not going to be triggering your own insecurities and just diving deep into the shame and vulnerability part of your of your response. I have a daughter and a son, they're 10 and 8. I think I'm more conscious about the things I say around my daughter than my son. But uh, that's not to say I'm not concerned about his own concept and perception of his own body. But it, I think naturally I worry more about my daughter. Is that something that plays out in the research? Mm, it's really interesting. I think we associate body image problems, you know, sort of being a girl thing um, because they tend to talk about them more. And the early research that we had sort of showed that girls you know, may have been more dissatisfied and it's just such a clearer direction in that most girls typically will just want to be smaller, thinner, slimmer, skinnier. Whereas for boys, it's kind of complex and, you know, some of them want to lose weight, some want to gain muscle. A lot of, for boys, is about height dissatisfaction, like they want to be much taller. And I think it, it plays out in different ways, some of which are just not as obvious because they don't talk about it as much. So what the research is saying so far is that boys are kind of just as dissatisfied, but it looks a bit different. For boys as well, it sort of tends to happen a little bit later in adolescence where they're probably not talking to us as much anyway. Whereas for girls, and, and I'm just hearing so much about this really starting at nine, and um, they start to be able to, developmentally, they can compare themselves to other people at this age. So they start to look at the person next to them and say, oh, they're actually way better at colouring in than I am. And they also make those sorts of comparisons in terms of what they look like. And that's just something that kicks in at nine. And then all of the sociocultural influences from family and peers and the media or social media that they're engaging with have helped to shape what they think they should look like in inverted commas. And if they don't think they look like that, then that's where we start to see behavioural adaptations. We talk a lot about role modelling, but it seems like that role modelling piece in body image often rests on the shoulders of mothers. But if our boys are having sort of their own complex relationship with body image, how much does a father's role modelling impact him? We do know that it's really important for fathers to be also role modelling positive body image, but 
also just not kind of reinforcing some of those negative kind of ideas like, you know, if they do want to go to the gym, that's fine, but we can talk about the reasons why they're doing that as being because they want to feel strong and, and because they want to, you know, be able to lift this or do that rather than because I need to lose weight. Or, you know, um, it's even in a Bluey episode, which I'm like, oh, I really <laughs> love Bluey. You know, like um, the dad kind of pats his belly and he's feeling like he's eaten too many biscuits or something. And I'm just like, oh, we need to stop sending this message to kids that, you know, our weight is our fault. There are a hundred different things that influence our body weight and shape. And most of it is things that we can't control. And so, you know, we need to stop oversimplifying the fact that, you know, our bodies look a certain way because of the things that we're doing to them. In recent years, especially, the conversation has started to move away from body positivity mm-hmm. towards body neutrality. First of all, what does that term mean? The terminology doesn't, <laughs> doesn't do us any favours in terms of trying to explain ourselves to people. I think we've stopped using body image because people think that means your actual appearance. Body positivity has kind of been a little, um, it got a little sidetracked and and it took on its a life of its own on social media um, that kind of then started to feel a bit like toxic positivity. So body neutrality is really just kind of taking away the idea that what your body looks like is the most important thing at all and just kind of moving towards a space where you can just be like yep I've got a body yep it's doing all of this stuff stuff for me yep it doesn't really matter what it looks like it's just not the most important thing rather than kind of having to be like yay I love myself you know (laughs) (laughs) it sounds much more achievable I've got to admit (laughs) there is no one right you know way that you need to be about your body we talk about moving towards body acceptance which is just like again, accepting this is the way it is. I'm going to do everything that I can to look after it, to fuel it, to move it, um, to be kind and gentle to it, to rest it when it needs to be rested. I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to trust my body, but I don't need to feel a certain way about it and it doesn't need to look a certain way. Can you tell us a bit more about the Body Confidence Collective and the work that you do there? Yeah, so I was in research and academia for a long time and, you know, we, we would find out all this stuff, but we rarely got to the point where we actually told anyone about it. So created Body Confident Collective to really try to get some of the knowledge and the resources that we have that are all evidence-informed and evidence-based out to the people who need them. One of the main resources that we've just put together is called the Embrace Hub. So we've been working with Taryn Bromfit and the Body Image Movement to put together a website that has a whole bunch of free resources for parents and teachers and coaches, as well as for young people. That's somewhere that people can go to to actually just access resources easily. Zali, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. That's Zali Yeager. She's the Executive Director of the Research Group, Body Confident Collective, and we'll pop links to both the Collective and to the Embrace Hub in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.